Michael. Well, welcome to Catholic Stuff. This is Father Mike. Father Mike. Father John. Father John. Good to be with you. Here Thanks. we are. Thanks. Likewise. Down in the uh, the bowels of Schloss Goebbels. Nice and cool down here. It day. is. It's so hot. Yesterday was like 90. Yeah, it's getting too Today, hot. Today, I didn't check, but it was hot. See, is this too hot? I think it's too hot. For May? Well, for May. Yeah. Well, probably generally. See, I've got this Scandinavian skin, mm-hmm. so I have to set a base burn. I don't know if you know about this base the burn base thing. Burn. You hit the base burn, and then you can take on sun, and it becomes tan. Ah, okay. But that first one, you're working on the burn. Well, and it's probably like that. That, that's yeah. a, that must sound very bad burn. to dermatologists or whatever. Like, are you getting the uh, like, here? Give me cancer, and then I'll be protected. Are from you that. getting the killer um, biking tan lines? I do get the yeah. I get okay. the biking thing. Those are those are serious. I mean, yeah. on the legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a farmer's tan, but it's. It's more it takes severe. less work, I yeah, guess. Yeah, exactly. So, it yeah. is. Yeah, it's the sun beats down. I always try to remember to wear the. You know what? The one the one that I forget though is when I'm hiking in the mountains. I went for a little hike, and what what tricks you is that you're getting sun from both above and then also the reflection from the snow. That one. That one gets me. Oh yeah, that was that hike up to Summit Lake. I went. Yeah. Yeah, that looked nice. It was a run. Jeez. Dude, I started running. Super athlete. I put the crampons in the bag and the ice axe, and I said, I'm going to go climb that glacier. Because I was looking I was looking from Denver, and you see, like, the snow caps of Mount Evans. Right. Yeah. It's glorious. Yeah. And I say, I, what am I doing down here? Yeah. I got to get up there before they melt. This isn't like a global warming thing. This happens every year, um, and it's hot these days. So I wanted to go play on the snow with my skis. But then uh, the road is closed, and there's, like, limited access. I think it is legal now to go in the parks. So you got up to Summit Lake and then hiked the glacier up above it? Or no, you hiked I, to Summit Lake? I hiked to Summit Lake because ah, okay. I, I parked at Echo Lake. Echo Lake, ah. And then ah. I started running, Yeah. and I was like, I'm going to get up to some snow and play in the snow. Well, I thought it was going to be, like, three, four miles at most. It turns out it's nine miles yeah, to Summit Lake. That's a long. 14 to the peak. That's a long ways, yeah. Yeah, and I, it, my mind doesn't really think like that. It's just like, well, why don't I try to hit this goal? So and then you, I'm coming back, and I'm, like, dying. Yeah. I didn't bring food. Oh, man. I was uh, hydrated, and I had, a, like, this little canteen of Gatorade. Well, I've I've done some adventures with you, so I know you like to, you like, to like accentuate the adventure. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, you got to see. Go in jeans. Don't bring any food. Go yeah. before season starts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's all kinds of ways you can twist it yeah. to test your limits, man. That's right. Just a junkie for that stuff. Do you, you don't feel that, though? Oh, yeah, definitely. You do. like that definitely stuff. Definitely do, yeah. Test your limits. Test the limits, yeah. Yeah, no, I've just been lounging around here at the Schloss uh, in this Arctic, you're, you're, Arctic you're basement. You're testing your intellectual and communal limits. That is true, which we saw a breaking point earlier today. So, yeah. It's, I listened uh, to this. Um, I listened to your podcast on Oil Can. Yeah. This last one. It was a great reminder. Whatever that book was, yeah. I liked it. Did you, you know? read? Emotional yeah. literacy. Man, I'm bad at that. We're all bad at it. Um, I think that um, it's a great podcast, but apparently people do not like the word lubricant. We learned that the hard way. Yeah. So we had to recant That's, the title. I think Sorry if you're offended. If you, if you Father, passed, Father Nathan's innocence. If you passed over that one, uh, go back to it. Uh, it's a uh, he. He really had some uh, great stuff. He pulled from that book, "Strangers to the City" by Michael Casey. You know that book? Nope, never read it. But okay. I think I see it, my, my my bookshelf is growing right now. Uh-huh. Like the two read things. Uh-huh. Like I still got great divorce in my bag right now. Uh-huh. After we did that podcast, I'm right. like, oh, I got to read that. Right. And then I'm walking around. See, I, I I'm in an environment with a lot of like young Catholics, mm-hmm. young adult Catholics, and they pay attention to the show so like uh, michelle stir says oh i listened to this podcast it was on great divorce i picked it up again it's awesome and i'm like well i'm still behind but i was there and it was a good discussion and i learned and then today i'm having lunch with nick larkin and he says oh i just listened to that oil can <laughs> great wisdom for my present common life and everything and so i was re-intimidated yeah well, I would say, you know, we're talking about these things, but uh, still working on living them, and uh, that's part of the uh, the life here. So That's life everywhere, dude. Well, have you talked about uh, a new assignment coming up? Is this all public now, or do we have to it's, wait? 
it's public, but I don't know a whole lot about it. Okay. So I'm going to um, the cathedral. I'm assigned to the Cathedral Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Denver, Colorado. I don't even know if I should announce that. I think you can. Father Brian announced that I... It's going to come out in two weeks. ...that I um, had just had my 10th anniversary as a priest. Uh Uh-huh. And he gave out my email address (laughs) on... This is like formed.org. You know, it blasts everywhere. So I'm getting emails like random people from Canada, which is really nice. Yeah. But it's also like, I don't, am I supposed to know these people? And you love those emails too. You love seeing that inbox just. That's the thing, man. Yep. I get overwhelmed. Emotional literacy, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Scared. That's called fear. You know what I'd recommend if you're having a hard time getting emails sent? um, I think it's a sign of emotional or mental instability to respond to emails regularly and quickly. No offense to Archbishop Shappy, who's amazing at it. But Ryan Kent, you remember he got a concussion and he was notoriously when bad. When was that, biking or something? Uh, skiing a couple years ago. Oh, okay. But he was notoriously terrible at email and he would admit that. And then he became like the email savant while he had post-concussion. Really? And then he healed up and then he got terrible again. So maybe really? keep pushing yourself to the limits and you never know what you'll be able to do in terms of email correspondence. I, I can say very very confidently that I can get mental illness <laughs> pushing to the limits. <laughs> if that's what it takes. That's what it, apparently, it doesn't always help with it, the emails. It doesn't always translate, no. I'm ADD. I don't think there's any hope for me. I actually did. I did respond to all those. But well, it was like it was like template, you know. Yeah, I just like have this stock response, and then I do it, and I'm feeling guilty the whole time. But I'm actually you got to do it when you're a, when you're a superstar. I mean, form.org, you got to. I know. You know. Well, happy anniversary to you. It's well, great. Thank you. Ten years, man. Ten years. Praise God. Ten I'm happy. Years. You know, people are like, "Oh yeah, thank you, thank you, thank," you. and that's great. I love it. But I'm just happy to have served the Lord. You know, I really love Jesus and the church more than anything, and it's a joy. Yeah. You know, I pray that I get 10 more, pray that I get 50, 70, 80 more. Yeah. Well, with your genetic makeup, you'll probably get at least 70 more. So, do you, are you one of these guys? Are you into like the um, technology is moving so fast, will extend life till you're like 150 by the time we're there? Jeez, I hope not. No, I, I don't, I don't get excited about that, you know. Really? Yeah. Do you think that? No. Okay. I don't. I guess maybe that's a possibility, but I haven't really. Thought I'm about with that. you though. I'm like, no. I heard recently from a friend that the oldest woman ever lived to be 122 from Provence, France. Whoa! And smoked two cigarettes a day. Wise, wise woman. So 122. That's a Dude, long. That's, t- the that's chill a long factor, time, man. It's She's got to sit outside. Yeah. Hang out, smoke her cigarette, and watch the sunrise. Right. But then it's like correlation or causation. Hmm. I mean, the chill factor. Well, just with the the cigarettes, right? You right. know, was it that, or was it like the uh, rosé wine, or was it the cheese, right? Or was it the pleasant conversation that happens in France, or the kind of yeah subtle colors you see and the oh, flowers all over the little towns in Provence? Did you ever? Did you get? Um, you like to doodle? I've seen your notebook. Did you? That's my handwriting, by the way. That's not doodling. Well, yeah, that's, that's actually language. That's called squiggle. The doodles are like the diagram things you do. But did you ever sit in Provence? What are you doing looking at my notebooks? And probably? like sketch stuff? No. The, like the my, countryside? You are uh, far more of an artist than I am. My artistic career really peaked in high school because I was in this IB program and you had to choose a sixth subject. And it, the classes were already basically impossible. So I chose studio art. Right. I don't even know what that means. Studio art. But it sounds like put me in IB. It put me in the best art class in the high school. Me and the 15 best artists in the, at Littleton oh, High yeah. School. And they would sit around and just like die because it was so, because the only thing I could draw was hockey players. Well, that's not bad. With no heads. Oh, hello. That I could never get the head well, down. The helmet. have to work. Think about a helmet. Faces right? are tough, dude. So listen to this. This is where postmodern relativism comes in gloriously sometimes i get to the end of the year all i've drawn for a whole year is hockey players without heads and i have to do this whole like presentation so this like panel comes in and they're taking all these notes looking at my art and they said to me why no heads on the hockey players and i said i wanted the hockey players to be every hockey player 
Yeah. Not particular to one person. Good scramble. Did they buy Universal it? Universal hockey player. And they were like, excellent. And they gave me a great Whoa. score. Hey, like, good for you, such man. Such crap. So. Now, so you didn't take like, it wasn't like Wayne Gretzky over here and Joe Sackick no, over here. It was it one was just, body type. He's holding the stick like this. And actually, several years later, my sister took the same art class. Um, and uh, the teacher was like, talking about pushing your limits you got to push your limits as an artist you got to go you got to expand you got to go beyond what you're comfortable doing she says i "I had this student a couple years ago he just drew hockey players and hockey players but he never drew heads and he probably still can't today because he never pushed himself (laughs) my sister was like dying in the back of the oh so she wanted heads she wanted heads she never got heads she never told me that though did you ever play that um, nintendo hockey game where you got like two medium-sized guys and then one fat guy and yeah. one skinny guy? Oh, yeah. We played all of those. There was one early on. This is in the days when video games were horrible. Um, and there was glitches. So you could find the... So if you would go around... If you would skate around the left side of the rink the right way and then circle, the goalie would get stuck. Um. And then you just shoot it in. So it was fun when you had you know glitches. I've been getting pistol whipped by these guys. They set up Mario Kart because they're bored. On the video. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, you got to pick your own game. I don't have a game. Oh. I think my game is like volleyball or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's not a video game. <laughs> volleyball. So, well, yeah. So, anyway. So well, that's... wait a minute. So, back to the Provence. <laughs> yeah, right? Provence. So, France is like really, I don't know. Yeah, it is appealing. It's the colors. It's appealing to the um, to the artist who wants to get away from the city and like be in the you know, beautiful countryside. Um, it, it reminded me of having just read... Um, the autobiography of Thomas Merton, you know, Seven Story Mountain. Oh. He spends a lot of time at the beginning talking about his artist father and how he lived in France and they would travel around. Yeah, he lived in other places, but they would travel around just to find like the ideal spot to sit out and right. paint a landscape. Right. And I thought, man, that is romantic. That is a cool existence. You know, vagabond artists. Sorry, I'm thinking, what was the name of that area they moved to? It wasn't Provence. It was west of there, in the south, like Carcassonne's down there. Anyways, it doesn't matter. But um, that's a beautiful book, isn't it? Great, Seven Story Mountain. Oh, he's he's Wonderful. an incredible writer. He is. He is. Oh man, and he catches the grace. I mean, he catches the grace of sort of the everyday preparation. Languedoc, Languedoc, Languedoc. That's where he moved. You got to. it. There we go. That's a good memory. Did you just look that up? Did you Google that? <laughs> no, I doodled that earlier. So. Yeah. yeah, so he he catches all these graces in preparation for his conversion, big conversion grace. And it's kind of like reading Augustine's confessions, but Augustine spends a lot of time on like working out these philosophical problems in his head, and it's mm-hmm. all rather like intellectual. And for Merton, it's more like aesthetic. So it's these moments with with his father where he learned what it means to be a father, to be a son, to honor people, to relate to his brother and, um, and traveling around. And he's got this very like sophisticated way of describing encounters with different places and languages and people, grandparents is like, what does it mean to interact with older people? And all of these things that lead up to these momentous conversion moments where he gets baptized and he comes into the church and um and then becomes a monk after that but you can kind of see this like before where that's just full of grace even though he's not really aware of it yet and then looking back he can see it everywhere and and then it's very similar to the graces that he receives as a monk so he goes into this contemplative life and now he can ponder grace everywhere but he's kind of back to something, back to nature. He gets becomes urbanized. He's teaching at the university and everything, and then he's back to the... That's a dream, man. Yeah. I just... I dream of that stuff. You dream like of that stuff? Huh? Maybe in the next, s- in the next 10 years, you know? Well, I... I Escape the I email love, box. I love the early Thomas Merton, um, Seeds of Contemplation, his autobiography. It gets complicated later on. Yeah. He becomes yeah. an international superstar. Yeah, he's tricky. So just to kind of put that out there that... I, I, we really respect him, and um, he's he's really worth reading. But some of the stuff later on, it gets a little bit. Yeah, he goes syncretist. Yeah, like a trink. Yeah, exactly. So, anyways, um, 
Speaking of women, going back to the oldest woman in Provence, I have a new goddaughter as of yesterday. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. And uh, what's exciting about, it was a great day to baptize. Uh, it was John Paul II's 100th birthday, if he was still yeah. alive. So the 100-year anniversary of John Paul's birth, great day to be baptized. Father Jim Thermos did the baptism. Okay. He was just a holy, holy priest, and I was just like, wow, this is really... Was it at Light of the World? No, Spirit of Christ, up the street here. Yeah. Okay. And her name is Zoe. Yeah, Zoe. All right. So this topic That's is Eve, called man. is exactly. Okay. You got it. So we're going to talk wait, about Wait, wait, but who are the parents? I, Do I know these people? Sarah Sophia and Brady Haynes. Oh, yeah, cool. So Zoe Eliza Grace Haynes. Yeah. She's beautiful. Ton of hair. Like just Really? Is it curly? Uh, not curly, but her mom has very curly hair, so we're just a big hair. Big hair. Yeah, it's a uh, it was a beautiful. Bra- you know what? She was very serene. During I bet the Brady could draw heads on the hockey players. Brady could draw. He's a great I'm artist. I'm going to have him finish the hockey player heads. That's it. All right. We'll commission the work, and then we'll frame it and put it in the companion's house. Do the heads? Maybe your head. Yeah. We'll the original four. The four guys moving in. So there's a lot going on right now for Father Mike. Tenth anniversary, new assignment, and then the companions are moving into the companion's house. Four priests living. Alas, together. we're back. Back, baby. Uh, after a couple of years out, and it's a great gift from the Archbishop. Uh, and these guys are beginning. Last time I was living there, I was living with you. Yeah. I think we were starting this podcast way Ten back Ten years then. ago, I know. That was a long time ago. Crazy. Crazy. Back when it flooded, the basement flooded on the morning of your um, or of your uh, first Mass. That was just yeah, quite the day. Wild. Ten years ago, man. So, so, yeah, we're moving into the house, and it's going to be community life again. Yep. You know, that's it. exciting. We're kind of like planning and getting excited, getting mm-hmm. scared. Got to bring uh, getting bring, the details. Bring your lubricant, as Goble would advise. That's what you he know? said. Lots of lots of lubricant. I, I did tell him afterwards. I said, you know, if you put too much lube on a bike chain, though, it gets really messy. So does it? You got a lube, but not like. Don't I've just been working this thing. I'm I'm about to wash my chain and uh, cogs. Mm-hmm. What do you call that? Yeah, chain the, rings, the crank, chain yeah, rings, yeah, and um, it, it requires degreaser, and then you yeah. know, clean it up, and then you don't want it to rust, so you got to dry it off real good, and then add the grease, right. the lube, mm-hmm. and then I t- I learned this note from the podcast was let it sit for a little bit to clean. There you go. But then you don't want too much. How do I know? Oh, uh, you're good. The mistake we always made early on was you put it on just too much. Like you think you got to lube it before every bike ride. Right. You know, but that's the. Uh, right. Okay. So that. Novice back, mistake. Back to the Zoe. So anyway, Zoe is, uh, this podcast is dedicated to her and it's a bit of an ex- exploration into the word Zoe into the, more importantly though, um, what is, what is um, the name? I just, I love the name and she put the umlaut over the E, which is just great. So it's like Zoe, because it's the Ada, right, at the end of the, yeah. of the Greek. Sarah Sophia is Greek, so this is just, she just gets it. I'm like, you did it brilliantly. So I'm very honored to be the godfather. And someday Zoe will be old and be like, and we'll be like, oh, there was this pod, this thing called a podcast that he did. Yeah. But it'll be so like It's like an archaic. A-track or something. Right. It's like we recorded it on an A-track. It's like, oh, great. What is this weird thing, you know? So- what is it? Yeah. What? What? MP three. MP three. What does that stand for? I don't know. <laughs> Nobody I never actually knew. knew. So, um, I came to the topic today because I am rewriting um, the dissertation, and I feel like I was in a terrible relationship for many years, and then I finally broke it off, got away, and now it's like she called and you're like, okay, we'll go out. And it's like, why am I looking at this? I haven't talked to her for a while. I don't want to talk to her. And so I'm looking, uh, the point of it is, um, you know, dissertations are boring because dissertations are kind of voiceless. Like you're not really supposed to have a voice until the end as an author. Um, but nobody wants to buy a book that doesn't have a voice, right? You're, you're supposed to say everything. This is this, or this, and this person says this, and you footnote everything. And then yeah, it's, re- and it's a report. Right. As you're you reporting know, as first. you know, from working on this stuff for a long time. Uh, so now the task is to kind of rework it so that it actually is enjoyable. And what I learned was this first section on Mary and the church, uh, the biblical foundations, just a couple pages. Uh, I learned a lot from teaching seminarians this year, and I think I'm going to learn a lot from talking to you about this because you are 
one of our Bible guys. And I feel so, like the expectations are growing. Expectations I, they, are growing. They do say if you want to learn something, teach. Right. It was really helpful. And I had some great students this year, so really grateful for that. And this was from, you taught Mariology and Mariology church? and Ecclesiology. Ecclesiology. Yeah. And so basically what I was doing in the class, and then I teach anthropology also. And so my whole thing was, guys, Dr. Pinto is teaching you about the bridegroom. He teaches Trinity and Christology. Mm-hmm. I teach you about the bride, which is the soul, anthropology, mm-hmm. Mary, Mariology, and the church, Ecclesiology. Those three things are the, that's the bride of Christ. Yeah. And that was worked out um, kind of in the early church implicitly, but then really in the 12th century with some of these great Cistercians. The soul, like when you read the Song of Songs, who is the bride? It's the church, kind of a generally speaking. It's Mary in a very singular way, and then it's the individual soul as well. Everybody is espoused to God by the nature of their baptism. Zoe became a bride of Christ um, uh, yesterday um, by the nature of her baptism, and she's going to live that out accordingly in her uh, life of faith. So, and uh, likewise, every yeah, I mean, it's the soul. So every dude becomes the bride of Christ too. It's yeah, which is strange little, as that might sound. It's a little trickier for us to kind of work that out existentially, but it is true. It is true, and that's why the the, the feminine becomes not just uh, kind of one aspect, but it becomes archetypal of creation and of everybody. We all stand in feminine posture to God. Yeah, Receptive. receptivity, right? So. And I, I learned ta- this from you. Yeah, I've yeah. talked about this ad nauseum, and these guys are tired of it. So without further ado, we go into the question of Zoe. But before we get to Zoe, Zoe's in chapter 3 of Genesis. we got to go back to chapter 1. All right. So chapter 1 introduces humanity at the end of the creation account, right? And you're going to be a Hebrew, Hebrew guy here. Um, but Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, which are two different kind of aspects or angles on the same creation account, right? Only one of them speaks of woman. The first one really speaks of humanity, sexually differentiated, male and female, he created them, right? You remember that on the sixth day? And then the second one is when you get more focused on the introduction of woman. Am I am I right on that? Yeah, okay. I think so. I mean, there's a complementarity in the first one, right? But it doesn't say much about it. Then you get the relationship and it really fills out. Right. Like, who who are these? What's right. the difference? Why why are they complementary? Exactly. So if the if Genesis chapter one is the kind of unity equality of the sexually differentiated humanity, then chapter two is kind of like, well, what is their relationship exactly? Right. What is the relational complementarity actually look like in in light of how they're created? And I think that a lot of times people approach Genesis chapter two and they think. Woman's kind of secondary, right? It's like man's kind of doing his thing, and then it's like, oh, he's lonely, so we'll create woman. And, you know, there, there's a bit of this kind of false feminist critique of uh, the Scripture sometimes, and I think that's a, that's a dangerous thing because what it does is it undercuts the very um, foundations of what, what a woman is, right? Do you take this thing, you hear this, but I don't know, like exegetically or, um, I mean— I've heard this thing about woman is the crown of creation. So you have like the order of creation coming from the most simple and like primitive um, building up to the more sophisticated, you know, it's like, you know, rocks and water, plants, animals, humanity, and then you get Adam and then Eve is this crown of creation. Um, is that just like arbitrary? Or do you do you buy into that? Yeah, I think um, I'm not sure about Genesis. I would I would say definitely with Mary though, right? That she is the the crown because I remember hearing this as a totus tuus teacher. Like humanity is the crown of creation and woman is the crown jewel of creation. Okay, where does that come from? I don't know. I know it's rooted in the t- in the scholastic axiom: what is first in intention is last in execution. Oh, okay. So I, there's something to it. Um, because one of the questions I had for you that we can come back to later if we want to is, uh, I got all these scripture verses here. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to read you this. Uh, I just should probably find it. Where does he say woman is the glory of man? First Corinthians chapter 11, verse seven. That might be another proof text for what the, the singularity and the distinction and the dignity of woman being created last woman is the glory, the doxa Mm. of man. First Corinthians chapter 11. 
don't know if you have any thoughts. Which I on think that. is probably well. I think contextually, I'm imagining a, a wedding situation where she's like, I mean, you see this in weddings today, and um, everybody waits, right, and stands up right. when this woman comes in, and you can you can usually like compliment the guy. Okay, you're looking good, like, but it's the woman is the right is the. I don't know, bell of the ball. I mean, she's the focus. Right. Because she's beautiful and it's undeniable. It's so human. And she's veiled and adorned in a, in a very beautiful, specific way. There was this little moment when there was certain people in our archdiocese, and I may have squared off with one of our brothers on this topic, but that's in the past, you know, um, because he was saying, I want you to be accompanied by both of your parents, right? And it was like, nope. It's just dad. And it became this whole thing and we worked it all out. But there's something about, yeah, the the uniqueness of the woman in that bridal context that it's it's not less. And I think that most women who are not kind of ideologically indoctrinated, they're like, yeah, this is really beautiful. And it says something distinct about the woman, that they reflect something of, the, they were created differently in terms of Genesis chapter two. So there's that equality, unity, chapter one. But there is this complementarity, and they're different, right? And so it takes us to chapter 2, verse 18, And we all know this verse. And then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. The Hebrew for woman, primordial woman, is... Well, we can go into that if you want. I, I know what you're thinking. Is about it Isha? Isha, is Isha it? yeah. Okay. Isha, which is the Septuagint. Septuagin. See, now, now I'm putting it on the spot because I'm no! like, oh. Yeah, no, I know you know okay, that. Okay, Isha. Isha and Isha, man and woman, right? And then uh, the Septuagint translates woman in as gune. Gune. Yeah, the gune. Which is going to be really important for New Testament guys. So when Jesus says, uh, behold, um, behold, or woman, behold, what does he say? I'm getting Woman, behold up. your son. Hold your son. Son, behold, son, behold your, your mother. mother right? Yeah. But when he calls her Gune, he does that also earlier in, in the Gospel of John. Woman, what does this hour have to... He's speaking yeah, about something. The wedding here. feast of Canaan. Primordial woman, Mary being the new Eve. And then especially at the end of the New Testament, what do you have? Gune is back. Right? She's back in Genesis chapter 12. The woman flees into the wilderness to escape... Revelation 12. Or, sorry, Revelation 12. Um, flees into the wilderness where the Lord has a place place prepared for and then she reappears after the the devil is destroyed as a bride there she is at the end of so the whole meta narrative of salvation history you have a woman at the beginning and at the end and she plays an integral essential but distinctively feminine part in the whole story yeah and when and then at the center is the cross right right where yeah she's the she undoes the the sin of of Adam and Eve, right? I right. mean, it's humanity, but um, the woman is kind of a central figure in the garden, and then here's here she is at the side of Christ, and then the Christian always reads it backward, right? So um, Jesus is pierced in the, from the side, and all this Christian art depicts uh, Mary at the foot and um, side scenes of Genesis. You know, the the woman who's taken from the side of the man and right. created, you know, the church created from, this is all language of the fathers, right? I'm happy I'm talking to you about this because Goebbels getting kind of tired of hearing about Mariology, so this is great. But yeah, the fathers said this all worked out. Mary is the new Eve, Christ is the new Adam, um, and uh, everything is being yeah, undone, so to speak, by obedience, by faith, especially with Mary, as she totally receives the, the, the cross of Christ and the sacrifice uh, and does it on behalf of all of creation. St. Thomas is very clear on that. Right? So Mary offers that. So if we want to understand Mary, you got to understand Eve, what we call the type of Mary, the figure, the prefigurement of Mary. Uh, and if you want to understand woman, you got to understand how they, how they are between Eve and the new Eve. And yeah. so Zoe, going back to little Zoe, her whole life is really uh, this interplay between the old Eve uh, of disobedience uh, who was caught up in, in original sin 
uh, and the fallenness and the weakness and the fear um, and all these things that kind of get played into the first few chapters of Genesis, and then Mary, the new Eve, the woman of faith, humble trust, surrender, total abandonment, uh, and the one who stands on behalf of all of us and makes this fiat, not just in the incarnation, but at the foot of the cross. And that's that's the that's what she will live, but, and we all do that in a way, but it, distinctively as a woman, she'll do that. I, th- I like, I'm kind of taken by this um, image at the end of Revelation where the the bride who is, yeah, this, this woman renewed, um, it's this return to paradise scene, new creation, this bride at the wedding feast of the Lamb who is Mary, who is the, the new Eve, who is the church, is adorned with um, a, a dress that's embroidered with the, the deeds of the saints, mm. like all the good deeds of people. And although I'm not like into lace and what is that show where you, there, there's some show for girls that are it's about the wedding dress. No but, idea. Oh, it's like yeah. a reality TV thing. But um, all of these designs that come from um, the good deeds of all of the people. You know, there's some imagery that the church uses to talk about um, living stones and how they're hewn and carved and everything. And um, just imagining that it's uh, it's the acts of love of the people in the church mm-hmm. um, that is really preparing the world for this feast, preparing the world for the wedding. And that's a big part of our job is just getting the bride ready. Yeah. Like serving the, that's why we serve the church. That's where we are in the world is like setting the stage and welcoming this new creation, like setting up the wedding. Oh yeah. And a great tying it back to the great divorce. Remember that scene where that woman, Sarah, I think is her name comes out and she's got children and animals and everything's like connected to her. And, and the, the heavenly body says um, it was by her good deeds that they became more themselves. So you yeah. think of Mary's maternity exercising this and freeing all women, God willing, Eve at the beginning um, as well. Um, so um, that's, I think, Revelation 19 to 21 in that area, if you want to kind of dig around for that, right at the end of the Bible. But um, the two points that I want to make from Genesis here um, about woman, so there she is, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, 22. She's created in a distinctive way, and it's important for us to, I think, meditate upon why does God do that, and why why does this happen? What what is being said here? What is the author's intention? What what are we being taught by divine revelation about this? And the first thing that we hear, so there's two kind of keys, I think, that I would say keys to understanding biblical woman, which is archetypal of of not just all women, but of all creation. The keys. The keys. This is the f- number one key. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him, right? So this helper is, so woman is created not inferiorly, but derivatively from man. So there's this element of relationality. This is why mom can look at you and and know what's going on, right? Because mm. she misses Fat Mike and, uh, you know. Yeah. We all miss Get Fat him Mike. back. Get him back. But um, No, I see this. There's a specific mission and purpose in woman. Her role is intrinsically relational as this word helpmate, which again sounds like second fiddle, you know, can't do it as good. So you just got to help out the guy, you know, get in the kitchen. That's not, that's not it. That's all just kind of feminist import here. Um, there's something more specific and I think more beautiful that's being designated about this feminine being distinctively of herself. What is it? Well, let's look at the word here. Should I ask you another quiz show? Quiz no, show, you quiz can't show. ask me the helpmate. I've been just, I, my, my brain's been I know, running. But. Is there, right? Is there, is ah. the helpmate to man. So the Hebrew, the first key to understanding woman is that she's created as is there, the helpmate to man, a designation that's um, the first thing that we hear about her, her feminine dignity. And I'm trying not to read this, I'm sorry. But to exist in the mode of helpmate does not imply subordination. It's a positive and distinctive way that she cultivates communion. We talk about this all the time. What is the feminine genius? We'll get to the, it's two part. It's this deep and profound receptivity, and it's also the capacity and the ability to bear life within her. We'll come to that in a second. But firstly, the, f- the first key to woman is this bridal relationship with the man, that she stands in a posture of help, so to speak. But again, this is not like 
do things that I can't do while I'm doing my own thing. That's this modern kind of yeah. autonomy and ego egocentrism. What the woman's help is, in my in my read on it, is simply her presence. That's how she's the helpmate because she's there, because she is, and because her being is receptive. Right, the the very physicalness of her body is created in a receptive way. And that means that she is the first and fundamental thing for her is when we say she's a helpmate, it's just because she exists. The mm. way that she exists helps man in a way that he cannot. I can't help you. Goebel can't help us. Only women can contribute to this. And when you say when you're saying man here, you're talking about males. Males. Okay. Because right, right. I'm thinking mankind. like, well, what do you think about this? Is like, I'm I'm thinking on the imagery of this Adam which can be humanity or the like male man um, lost among the animals, like lost in nature, like running for something and, but subject to his own, you know, animal nature, you know, just kind of that, that sort of chaos and mis indirection and all of these things. And then the woman being uh, a point of that, like that leaven of sophistication, that here's the one who can organize something. Here's the one who can draw things together and um, make a home, like make a, not make a home like uh, you know, like um, I don't know, like the hearth or something, but um, just to, to to sophisticate things, right. like to 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 bring them to a higher level, and um, to to bring a nobility to the the project of humanity. Um, but I'm kind of thinking of it in terms of just like. Adam is still humanity and it needs woman. It right. needs woman. And, and the help is like, um, to, uh, to take it to the, like to, to raise it to the next level, to, to, to help to, to, um, develop its potential, I guess. Right. Right. Um, without her in this story, everything is just lost right. to sort of the, the animal impulse. Yeah. Is that too? I'm getting no, a little like, like psychological. I like, it. No, I like it. I think it's right on. Uh, yeah, it's the world of raw impulse, raw reaction, kind of the doggy dog world, and then all of a sudden there's this otherness that is equal, but which is reordering us towards kind of the essence of what it means to be creation, which is receptive. And once that happens, and once that starts to take, then there's this dynamism, this interplay. And inter, interpersonal love becomes all of a sudden a possibility. I'm with Saint Irenaeus. I think they were children, Adam and Eve. Oh yeah, yep. And I what think, about in heaven? Everybody children? Uh, I don't know. That's I don't debated know. anyway. That's debated. Yeah, but I you uh, think in, in the garden. I they like were that children. they grew up um, as children. I also th I'm also getting into this whole thing with anthropology. I won't bore you on this now. I talk I've talked about all this stuff already, but I don't think there was language before Adam and Eve. So you had these, you know pre-human hominids and we won't go into evolution oh, stuff. Oh no, I listened to this. You listened to you it. You talked but, about but, this but, on a podcast. Language I loved it. The language, language was yeah. the, the point of right. entrance of humanity. So this is when the they soul could, is there. Yeah, man, and this is the point here, is that without the help of woman, without the help of other, man cannot, under, cannot come to self-realization. And I think that's part of why Paul is saying woman is the glory of man. Because yeah. she is the help of, like you're saying, all of humanity. Yeah, that would be helpless. That would be helpless. We would be stuck in our egocentric, autonomous worlds, trying to actualize, trying to understand ourselves, trying to come to self-fulfillment, and ultimately be destroyed. Because it's impossible. I, I think that's beautiful. So now, I think that's so much richer. I think it does need to be filled out, because it's yeah. easy to reduce it to this, you know... Um, you know, the the guy existed before her and then he and then she's just supposed to help him out and whatever while he's right. working in the garden or something you keep the fire so, going while i'm gonna so go do silly, awesome silly but that's not right. in the story no. that's not what the story is talking about it's just a it's it's a an a priori reading of it right that oversimplifies right but in a cult in a modern culture that is obsessed with autonomy self-sufficiency self-realization that's basically purely masculine no wonder why the feminine is looked at as this disparaging thing and then the sick kind of demonic thing is that and christianity is the reason for that that's the reason why women it's like oh no 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 christianity is the is got this is our distinctive contribution because we understand what a person is 
mm. right? In, in a way that nobody else does. And we contributed that to the world. Um, and so, but, but I think, I think it's interesting that you talk about the autonomy. He was lonely. Yeah. But I, I, it makes me think of that. You remember that movie into the wild mm-hmm. where there is something tempting about, about I'm, I'm going to run off. I'm going to do my own thing. No more society. Nobody telling me what to do. Right. Uh, nobody doing anything for me. You know, I, just that individuality like you're saying and we do we need somebody to say hey that's not it right that's not living you you, you're thinking you're gonna go get it right and it's not how it works it's not gonna be a full life it's not gonna be satisfying it's not gonna be real you're not gonna help people you can run up to summit lake nine miles no food (laughs) but then you want to come back and you want to share that with somebody you want to invite somebody into that and that's the so I, I guess to conclude the key, first key, and I'll, I'll kind of say something here, maybe a little bold, and uh, people can uh, push back. Probably won't push back as much as the lubricant thing, but uh, it seems to me that if we the the most fundamental understanding of how a woman is a help to humanity is by her presence, then the mistake is to think it lies in the realm of her activity. She has to do this, 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 and this in order to be helpmate. You see the difference. Helpmate is fundamentally about being, just be present. Yeah. That's just what moms do so well. They're just there, right? They're there. They yeah. see everything. Not to say they don't do anything, but, no, but the, their but presence more important. is what's more formative. important. Right. You don't say, thank you, Nancy Rapp. I really appreciate it. you cooked me a lot of meals. You changed a lot of diapers. Uh, you drove me to a lot of soccer games. It's like, yeah, she did that, but she was just there. And she's yeah. always there. And, and that's what I'm why, grateful for is my mom. Exactly. You're grateful for your mom, the person who was there. And that's why I think you and I are going to be a hot mess when the day comes when it's like mom passes away. I, I think many, yeah, many of our, like the, like our friends have, have gone through this. There's something different about it because she's just there. All right. So the help, the helpmate is not fundamentally on the level of action. I think it's on the level of just being present. Obviously, do things express that, but just... The, the most feminine women we know are the ones who just know how to be and receive. And they understand that's, that's they, they do that so instinctively and beautifully. All right, so that's number one. Number two. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking of, well, let's get to two. You know, I'm sorry, we're kind of going on and on here. Number two is the following chapter. Chapter three, verse 20. This is the second key to understanding primordial woman. The man called his wife, his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all the living. Eve being in the Hebrew, Eva or Shava, mm-hmm. uh, which comes from the word life, she, right? Or living. Yeah. Does that sound good? Mm-hmm. And this is where we get the great translation, Zoe. Yep, Zoe, Septuagint translation in, into, into the Greek. Septuagint. So the original name, so God calls woman helpmate, Izer. Man calls woman Shava or Eva or Zoe, so that's the first time. Oh, okay. I didn't realize. I, man I, I didn't says, get that distinction. Man but says, cool. you are life. Yeah. And what's tra- Zoe, Zoe from Greek means life. Right. Life, Living. Right. Life. Yeah. Exactly. So the first thing that man realizes about woman, the first thing that he describes, he sees something of her mystery in, their, in this first bridal life together, and he says, she's life. She, he doesn't say she's into life, um, she's pro-life. These things are good and follow, but she actually yeah. is identified you're, with you're life. You're a part of life. You're Her name is life, and that's why it's so amazing that I have a goddaughter named Life. Her name is Zoe life. because she expresses the second key to you know an authentically biblical feminism here. But I think it flows from the first. Man identifies and understands woman as life, precisely because he's reflecting on her as help. So she's in this bridal relationship, which is configured by God, and then she becomes Eve, Zoe, life, and thus the mother of all the living. Okay, I was wondering how you're going to get mother of all the living. Mother of all the, the living. The mother. The mother, right, exactly. So it's you're a helpmate in the bridal sphere, your life in terms of the maternal sphere, but they're, they're one, mm. obviously. Um, I like this a lot because I, I think that it helps to understand um, the relationship. Woman as helpmate, key number one. Woman as life, number two. 
What's tragic and mysterious to me is that man identifies this in woman after original sin. I was just going to say, yeah, yeah, what do you do with that? Yeah. Why does this have to happen after the fall? I know. You know? And there is a kind of, so they've been, they fell, they realized that they were naked, they've been exiled from the garden. And I think there is something of like, the, this is, you're starting the story, right? I mean, something that was, is now gone. Mm-hmm. And now you're starting the beginning of our story. This is what it means to be living right now, um, is to be born of this mother, right? you know, who, who is both like the most like beautiful part of life, the most like the ideal of life and is also carrying that fall. Right. You know, I think it's, yeah, the expression of humanity under this is, is born of this, uh, woman is impressive. And I, it, it, you can't for sure reduce it to like the fall, you know, that's kind of a temptation, I think. Right. But, um, I like that you pointed out that this is Adam contemplating yeah. Eve. You know, He's Zoe. reflecting on her in light of, and, and again, the tragedy of original sin is that he only, he, he acknowledges and affirms that she is life once death has entered into the world through sin. That now mm-hmm. he, re, it, it, we don't know if he realizes or if he just, they just lived in this kind of, symbiosis so beautifully before the fall and now he's like oh no how are we gonna how are we gonna live and it's like well and then he's like i have to reaffirm that she is life there's yeah. something there's something you beautiful. are survival so i think this is a grace i think it's a graced moment for adam in the Do midst you think of it's the devastation affected by like yeah i mean is it like what have I done? Right. What have we done? They were just cursed by God. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have to work and you're going to resent each other and all these things. And he's like, why? But you are life. Why didn't I appreciate this? Why didn't I see this? Right. Why did it have to take a fall for me to open my eyes and to be able to say, you know, you are Zoe. Right. You're Zoe and your life. He, man c- kind of re-understands woman, reinterprets her in light of her maternity. Your life because your mother. You're not life because you're my bride. You're not my life necessarily. You're the help. That's the bridal relationship. You're, uh, when I see you as a mother, that's when I understand it, uh, that you are life. That life yeah. is not something that you. This is, this is what life is about. This is what life is about. You In you is what life is about. Mm. And so he names her to try and express, I think, what he he sees in her but also to help her understand who she is. This is your mission now. You have to be life. Mm. And Mary, as the new Eve, will be the fulfillment of, because Mary will literally give birth to Jesus, who says, I am the way, the truth, and oh, yeah. Zoe. Yeah, Zoe. I'm life, right? So woman's fulfillment happens. That's also at the beginning of uh, John's gospel, in the prologue. In the beginning. The light was the life. And the light and the was the life. Was the, yeah, the light of man. Right. So woman is, uh, so I think the, the, the lesson here is just, uh, guys, if you feel like you get kind of in a dead end, there, part of it is to reflect on your wife in light of not just her presence, her receptive feminine presence, but also in light of how she is motherhood and try to pray for that grace to, to understand this indispensable and wholly unique way that she cultivates life and actually it bears life within her so much so that she can be identified as life as Zoe and have everyone look toward Mary, you know, it's like, yeah, fine. It's good that we look, you know, at the examples of women around us. That is, um, it's beautiful. It's helpful. It's like the, you know, what's happening in the story and what it's the way is the way out, you know? Um, but most perfectly, you know, cause there's never any, any perfect examples of this right in, in our world. But there is Mary, and I think that's one of the things I appreciate most about um, John Paul II was um, this totus tuus thing. You know, I'm, you know, totally yours. Um, to, but like pondering Our Lady, that mm-hmm. was so central to him. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's how he he was capable of extraordinary leadership in the church, keeping his eyes fixed on Mary, saying, "How can I serve you?" Because you know, serve the church mm-hmm. because um, you are our best example. Yeah. You are the one who teaches us how to be. 
you are the one who's living, you know, and, and Mary in that fullness, that new life, you know, that spiritual way of living. Like not only is this like the, like the best way to be a human being, but this is a way to be a spiritual human, like sanctity and our perfection. Exactly. You've got a great devotion to Mary. Uh, You live that you've had some wild podcasts over the year about Mary and, moon gazing and all these things but yeah I love that girl. if god is the fullness of life and christ then is the life in his divinity grace is the participation in god's life and mary is fully graced then she is fully life which means that she is the fullness of what adam identified in woman whatever thousands or tens of thousands of years before mary lives that out um, in a in a participatory way but in a distinctively feminine way and that's the key to those are the keys to understanding woman and i hope that uh so wait a minute so it was like an old tradition among catholics to include the name mary in any name uh-huh. and it's i think it still is among religious right mm-hmm. uh, marie or mary or whatever what if zoe gets in there oh, every time zoe it's like the same thing right put her in exactly you got it you know sister um i don't know francoise Zoe, uh-huh. uh, Sister Augustine Zoe. Yeah. Well, I'm really grateful to um, Sarah Sophia and Brady. Um, you know, it was a super weird uh, baptism because it was like, I'm wearing a mask. Nobody's standing by each other. Nobody's even there. Yeah, we've been doing this stuff. It's just I like, oh, that. man, this stinks. I couldn't even hold her. Um, but I, I walked with Sarah Sophia as she... I mean, she thought the Lord was calling her to be a Nashville Dominican. She went, yeah, she came back, it, yeah. and then we, we started kind of walking together after that. Brady, there's this great story I'll serve for another time where uh, she falls down the stairs at work, and he saves her and brings her to the hospital, and then they, they fall in love and the whole bit. And uh, But I've watched her grow in this, and she's living this, and so I have full confidence that Zoe's going to assimilate all of this, probably without li- listening to this archaic podcast yeah. 20 years so from now, old so. but so we've to, we've learned from you zoe thank you yes exactly exactly and you inspired a good topic and mike thanks for picking up the awesome slack. dude yep. I, that was some great reflection i'm gonna chew on that chew on the cud chew on the cud okay shout out shout outs i got one well i want to thank everybody who's uh, reached out about the 10th anniversary um i'm i've been blessed with uh this podcast with uh friendship and brotherhood of the guys involved a lot of great moments a lot of great reflection it's helped me with my prayer and um, helped a lot of people so praise god for that Um, thank you for reaching out all the well wishing uh, particularly chris rogers chris rogers the uh, drawn to the saints master who (laughs) drew drew a picture of me and gave his reflection and it has been the talk of the town in my neighborhood oh yeah so thanks, Chris. Yeah, nice. I have two shout-outs, both uh, Rome friends. You remember Ellie Reinhardt? Sure, uh, I do, yeah. Ellie's dad. She's a poet. Yeah, she's a poet. Did you ever send her poetry? She always wanted oh, yeah. your poetry. Yeah, okay, we exchanged yeah. poetry. Yeah. Well, Ellie, shout-out. been out. a long time. Hey, shout-out to Ellie. Send, send Father Mike some poetry, Ellie. Uh, but her dad, John, is a great guy. And uh, John Reinhardt, shout-out. Thanks for listening. And then uh, Ben Rahimi, a friend, good friend of mine from... Uh, Rome, he was in seminary at the NAC at the time. Uh, his dad, Fred, is also listening. Uh, he said he was laughing because um, you you and I were speaking, and I, you said, what is his nationality? And I said, I think he's Palestinian. Well, he's Persian. So the way Rahimi? Up on the, the Rahimi, yeah. Oh, so, Persian's cool, dude. Yeah, so Fred, thanks for listening. John, thanks for listening. And uh, Zoe, thanks for being born and being baptized. And Amen. That's it. God bless you, everybody. CatholicStuffPodcast at gmail.com. Do another one, double-double tonight. Mike and Global coming at you next week. And uh, God bless you.